You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. I almost couldn't even get through the song today, Matt. I'm so excited. Anyway, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to episode, or actually day, 307 and 308 of Fed by Ravens, where we are talking our way through the scriptures in their entirety and connecting them uh, to our lives it's great. We are in the long-awaited book, Ezekiel! Wow. Chapters 1 and 6. That's our Old Testament reading for today. If you've ever tried to read the Bible, <laughs> and I know many of you have, um, Ezekiel's one of those books you get to and... At this point, if you're reading through the Bible, you're so proud of yourself that you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And you just read through it and you go, that's a crazy book. Yeah. You go, ah! lots of crazy things. <laughs> um, and it's actually in context, it makes total sense. Oh, yeah. So I'm okay. so excited. So go. Uh, up until this point, we have been reading everything from the perspective of from Judah or Israel. Mm-hmm. And so everything, like all the prophets and everything has been from within the land. Now we are getting a perspective of the exiles. So before like Jerusalem fell, fell, and like the temple was destroyed, uh, Babylon had done an initial like takeover and had pulled some exiles into Babylon already. Uh, Daniel being one of them. And then Ezekiel is being is another, and he was a priest. There you go. Yes. And so he's a priest in this foreign land, exiled, apart from the people of God. Jerusalem is still a place. There's rumors and everything going around, like, oh, God's going to restore us back to Jerusalem, and in two years, and Jehoiachin's going to have his reign back, and everything's going to be great. And God has been revealing. We've read to. Uh, Jeremiah and to a bunch of other prophets that no, that is wrong, that is not going to happen. And as we're going to read in Ezekiel and even I think in Daniel, we're going to find out that again, he's been telling them the same message on the other side. God is that loving mother who tells you to brush your teeth every day. Mm -hmm. And she's faithful and loving and kind. Um, but sooner or later, you got to brush your teeth. And so to put it all, like the, the big kind of macro view, you got Isaiah, the prophet warning about Assyria, mm-hmm. the, the eminence of Assyrian takeover, and then the future Babylonian. Mm-hmm. You got Jeremiah, who is explicitly for Babylonian takeover. Yeah. And now you got Ezekiel, who's already in exile, saying it's going to get worse. Yes. And so the dates I found, his first vision here is in 593, about six years before the temple is destroyed. Yes. So he is in Babylon as a priest. Now God meets him. The cool first cool thing is God meets him in exile. So they're out. he's out of the temple where God meets yes. you. But God is showing his character once again. Is like, look, I've set up this place for our benefit, for our joy, for mm-hmm. our peace, for all sorts of things. Just because you're out of there does not mean I'm forgetting about you. So I will meet you in Babylon. Yes. And so when you take this, I don't know, first three chapters uh, and you read this and there's like these descriptions of all these crazy things. It's a heavenly uh, encounter. Yes. The takeaway is for the people of God up to this point, 
the tabernacle and the temple were like, that's where we meet God. That's where God meets us. Yes. Now that they are in exile, what in this vision is being um, conveyed to Ezekiel and Ezekiel is conveying it to the people of exile that we have a God over the entire creation and he will meet with us. His, the temple that we've been worshiping at is a shadow of the real thing and it is mobile and it is traversing the earth and will meet us wherever we are. And I know this isn't even the exciting part yet, but the idea is every other God is uh, tethered to their geography, right? You're a God of the ocean. You're a God of the plains. You're a God of the hills. And that's even what the other countries called Israel's God. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the God of the hills. Draw them out into the flatlands or whatever. And just God meeting Ezekiel here is declaring, no, I am the God of all living things, the God of the earth. So... The other thing I just want to make a quick note is God is the one who's appearing and it wasn't Ezekiel summoning him or doing anything. God just shows up. Well, this shocks him because he's a priest. Yes. He's not a prophet. And only prophets might have a vision or a word from the Lord. And so he's this burly priest who now finds himself out of a job in Mm -hmm. Babylon, not sacrificing animals, not working in the only thing he's ever known to do. And so this is like... As I read Ezekiel, there's parts where I'm like, oh, man, I want that. And then you're like, oh, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's the confusion that happens in exile. So let's get into it. He's west of Babylon. It tells where he's at. And God shows up kind of in a familiar way. Yes, actually. A great cloud and bright, like almost like the Mount of Transfiguration mm-hmm. or the bright cloud that led the people through um, the desert in, in Exodus. It's God shows up in a great cloud, usually blocking his brilliance from destroying uh, humans who are full of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows up in a bright cloud with fire. With fire, and then surrounded by angelic figures. Yeah. And again, there's like tons of different stuff that you could go with these angelic figures. The, the, yeah, big, the big idea here is it's actually a very familiar setting for Ezekiel as a priest mm-hmm. who has seen the, um, the Ark of the yeah. Covenant. And so if you remember, the construction of the Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim uh, encompassing the Ark. Mm-hmm. And again, the idea is God's presence is mobile and so and surrounded by these holy beings that are offering up praise. And the other thing is that these four angels, or cherubim, as they're later called, have four faces mm-hmm. uh, ahead of... A man, ox, eagle, and... Lion. Uh, lion, yes. Yep. And they can represent a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing that connects with me yeah. is that back all the way in Numbers, when God arranges the structure of how the camps are going to march in the yeah, wilderness around right. the tabernacle, they're all put under four tribes, uh, Judah, Dan, Ephraim, and I can't remember, uh, but there are four tribes, and the tribe's banners... Manasseh. Uh, it wasn't no, Manasseh. it's okay. Don't worry about it. But the tribe's banners were a lion, an ox, a man... Oh, Reuben. Reuben was Reuben. a man. A lion, ox, man, and eagle. Yeah. And they surround... The uh, tabernacle. The tabernacle, the, the throne of God. And so, again, it's just this idea of... Uh, the things that you have seen, Ezekiel, the things that you have known and the things that you've built your life around 
are physical representations of spiritual realities. Yep. And just as the tabernacle can move through the wilderness, the real throne of God can go wherever it pleases. And it can meet you out here in exile. And it's perfect. I love it. And the other idea, too, is just the totality, like the four corners mm-hmm. of the earth. But yeah, there's like royalty, there's courage, mm-hmm. there's all the, it has all this meaning, but he understands the throne of God's coming to him. <clears throat> yes. It's really cool. And then you have the wheels. Yep. And the way I read this was um, you really have to think about um, the wheels carry these guys like lightning. Phew, phew, and mm-hmm. it's, it's talked about as the spirit of God. Yes. And so he's seen the spirit of God can fill and go anywhere, anytime, like lightning. Like yeah. boom, boom, spirit of God's here, spirit of God's there. And he's seeing this. I don't know if you yes. have anything else. Yes, and then the fact that they're constructed in a way that they can go in every direction. There's total freedom of movement. They're yeah. not hindered or restricted in any way. The only other thing that weirdly connects, and I don't know if this is connected, but yeah. it came to my mind while reading, was uh, the in First Kings, they talk about uh, Solomon's construction of the temple, mm-hmm. and one of the weird things that gets focused on is the water basins and the construction of the water basins and the wheels of the water basins. And the priest or whoever was writing Kings had like a weird fascination about how they moved. And the the purpose of these basins was to go around and wash and mm-hmm. rinse the holy instruments Boom. set apart for God. And so what we see is, again, the idea of the Holy Spirit is mobile and is able to wash and set apart the holy instruments of God. I think it even sets up Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So the, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit is God. Yes. And it is like his mobile throne mm-hmm. that goes, I even think you could even go washing, baptism, boom. Yep. He can yep. go anywhere in an instant to bring his revelation through God's word and his glory and salvation. And God's working through that. Then there's this human, right? Then it's like mm-hmm. this picture of now, he's not really clear, but it's like wrapped in rainbows, refracted light, and like and brilliant. Fire. And fire is the law and gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ on his throne. And that's what Ezekiel is going to be commissioned, is he's announcing the true unity of God's people. Because mm-hmm. remember, north and south, and now they're going to be decimated, but it's like, um, you will return to a land, and God promises something better, something new, something built on top of the old system <clears throat> with a yes. new leader and a new covenant in the blood of uh, what we know, Jesus Christ. Yes. So it's pretty amazing. Then God says to him, stand up. I love this. Okay, Chapter so two, this, right? this happens two times where the Lord appears to Ezekiel, at least so far in reading, um, the Lord appears to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is so overwhelmed by the image yeah. that he falls, which is a great response. And yes. the spirit of the Lord has to enter him to stand him up. Right. As if raising him from the dead. Boom. Like he's so incapable of standing in the presence of the of God right. that the spirit of God has to fill him and allow him to stand. And then he says, uh, open your mouth. Yeah. I love this because we, we tie God's creative power to his word like Mm -hmm. he creates by speaking Mm -hmm. we create with created things he creates from nothing by his word and so he gives his creative heart-changing death-defeating word and he says i want you to eat it you know Mm -hmm. like eat and it's it's words of lamentation and mourning and eat the eat the judgment of god put it in you but he wants it to be in you Mm -hmm. part of you and it reminds me like the lord's supper like eat the word the word became flesh dwelt among us eat my body Drink my blood. If you don't, you have no part of me. Right. And you see that in Ezekiel, 
eat this, make it a part of you, and now I'm going to... That's pretty much chapter two. Mm -hmm. Then in chapter three, he's like, now you're going to go speak it. <clears throat> and as he has to go speak it, it's like the word tastes like honey. Mm -hmm. and it, it, but it was like bitter. It like hurt his stomach, but then it tasted good, mm -hmm. which is a good description of the word of God. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's some hard stuff you have to deal with, but it's sweet. Make it a part of your daily diet. The idea is don't, and, and here's the biggest issue though. People aren't going to receive it. Right. And that's the biggest heartbreak. You're like, man, I want to go before God and see all this cool stuff. Mm -hmm. But then he says, okay, you're going to, you're going to receive these words in your heart and your ears. And then he hears like wings, like mm -hmm. have you ever heard a bunch of birds flying? Yes. Like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Or earthquake. And he sees all these things. And then he's transported like uh, to the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm -hmm. I think it was Mark. Philip. Philip. You know, there's a transport where he mm -hmm. goes back to this place, like literally, physically. And he's been in the presence of God. And he's heard all these things. And he's heard also they're not going to listen to you. They're rebellious people. Just like uh, God told Jeremiah. Same and then he sits overwhelmed for seven days. Yeah, so then he gets sent back to town, and now he's just sitting in the middle, I imagine, in his house, yeah. and going, I, holy cow, I just had an encounter with the living God yeah. in exile. This is what God does. He sets up his, I mean, <clears throat> he, he calls, he provides, you have to deal with your own sinfulness and deal with these things, and then you're comforted. Because God's going to do it. But then God says, look, you're a watchman. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in all sorts of denominations. But these next verses were used to say that if you... Um, yeah. This is the question I have for you. Yes. Let me say first what happens here, then I'll apply it. Yes. So God says, you're a watchman. Mm -hmm. Now, a watchman would sit if you see people coming, if you see a fire, if you, mm -hmm. it's your job to say, ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, -a wake up, here comes the mm -hmm. wolf, here comes the enemy. Mm -hmm. If you don't, and people are slaughtered because of that, their blood is on you. Yes. And so he says to Ezekiel, um, you're the watchman. Mm -hmm. You need to tell everybody to repent or else their blood is on you. you well, he, gets very he says, you need to say what I say. Yeah. If mm -hmm. I tell you to rebuke, you rebuke. If I tell you to announce forgiveness, you renounce forgiveness. You say what I say. And if you don't, it's on you. But if you do, and they don't listen to you, it's mm -hmm. on them. So the way it was applied to me as a kid yes. was that if you... Um, I had a nice, loving old man, loved Jesus. He had a friend that he felt like he should have shared the gospel with. That friend went off to war or something and died, and he told me that the guy's blood was on him. Mm -hmm. And that freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so then I tried to fight against that idea. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's not like that. <clears throat> but reading this, what I've realized is, this is specifically to Ezekiel. It is. He's speaking the words of God to a specific group of people. He is. But we do have the words of life. Mm -hmm. And if the Lord puts someone on your heart, be courageous and say, hey, what do you know about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Now, if they die without knowing Jesus, is that blood on them? Uh, is that gonna? Are we gonna go to heaven and it's like, uh, man, you let these five hundred people die and you only brought one to the Lord? No, I would say no. I would say no. And the reason I'd say no is because Jesus saves, mm -hmm. and so it's not up to me to save someone. This is not an exilic, uh, I'm a prophet. We have the word of God. Mm -hmm. We have means set up. <clears throat> but I don't want to take total pressure off of us. I think having a spirit of repentance and saying lord i don't exactly know how this works but i mm -hmm. want to be open to speak your word to people yeah. you put on my heart yeah i agree so it's not a legalistic 
um, yoke I would put on people, like, you better share the gospel or their blood's on you. No, right. no. The only blood that we're talking about anymore is the blood of Jesus, and right. that's on you. Right. And that's covering you, and God uh, can defend himself, and God can save people. That's what his business is. Um, the bigger business is, Lord, what do you want me to say? Who do you want me to care for today? If we want to spiritualize yes. Ezekiel to our own <clears throat> words. Yes. Now, I would prefer we read it in its context and go, wow, this is God's mercy to people who are about to be destroyed forever if they don't learn the lessons in exile. Well, right. And then also, I want to make sure that it's also paired with the fact that God's spirit is with Ezekiel yes. and empowering him to do these yes. things. Right. And he makes it very clear that it's by God's spirit that he's going to operate and act. Like, even down to, like, uh, into the next chapter, or is it even here? Uh, like, where he's, he starts to tell him, look, you're going to be in your house. Yeah, and this you, is it's chapter gonna, three. And it's going to be like you are bound by cords yeah. and you won't be able to speak unless you're speaking the words I've given you. Right. And you're not going to act unless you're doing what I've told you. And again, this is, I want I want to say, <clears throat> this is specifically for Ezekiel yeah. in a time, in a place where you're separated from the things of God, you have nothing, and now the people are in desperate need of the word of God, right. and God's going, Ezekiel, you're the man for this right now. Right. And, and that's the danger we have of reading these things out of context and just inserting our own individual personalities mm-hmm. into these is that it's just it's out of context. Now, right. God will apply things to us, right? but the overwhelming application of this is repent and trust the Lord right. to be brought out of exile into the land of promise. It's not about blood on you and mm-hmm. you're the watchman. and mm-hmm. you're, Just like you're not Jesus Christ. You don't save people. He saves people. So... Uh, I just want to go through four, five, and six. Yes. I'm calling this the section of, like, basically warnings, analogies, crazy things the Lord makes Ezekiel do. It's almost like little funny stories. Yes. First one is, um, lay on, well, you have to carve the city into a wet brick. Yeah. So, again, this is happening before Jerusalem's destroyed. Mm -hmm. So, they've already been, a group of them has already been exiled. They, uh, Zedekiah is out in Jerusalem and rebelling against Babylon at this point. He was set up by Babylon, but now he's like, no, I think I want to be my own guy. That's right. And uh, and so uh, Ezekiel's having to, again, set this record straight, or God's using Ezekiel to say, um, don't put any hope in going back to Jerusalem anytime soon. Right. I'm going to destroy it. So long story short, I'll, I'll say these and we'll have some thoughts about them. Yeah. So in chapter four, he says, lay on your side. Yes. In front of everybody, and then um, and then make some bread, some really gross bread mixed with human um, poop. Yep. To show that this is what's going to happen. Then the next thing he has to do is oh, cut your hair with a sword, yep. scatter it, burn it mm-hmm. to show you're going to be spread out. And then um, the in chapter six, he basically is just going against idolatry and say you're all going to lay dead. Prophesy your... against the mountains. Yeah, against the mountains. So um, it's kind of crazy things, but again, they're to show a point. They're to make a point mm-hmm. that judgment is coming. And so what do you want to say about, uh, let's, let's do lay on your side and eat poop. Yeah. So, so again, uh, the, he's like told to lay on his left side for 390 days, so over a year. And, 
on his right side for 40. So uh, one's to Israel, the 390 is to Israel, Israel. and the 40 mm-hmm. days is for, for Judah. Judah. Yes. And it represents like years that they're apart from God mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Yeah. And again, it's just to announce that God's judgment is on his people. Like, yeah. don't believe that you are safe or righteous, and that's it. And again, it's not like he was lying on his side 24-7. No, it was like in year. front of people to make a point, like an illustration mm-hmm. in a sermon. Mm-hmm. He, when he had everybody's attention, he would do these things as an illustration yeah. of truth. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ezekiel. So now, do you have anything else to say on the... No, I think, in fact, I think we can probably finish up this section with, yeah. with a funny story uh, that th- happened to us today. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Ezekiel 4-9 bread. Uh it's is that a big thing? It, it is. Uh, I've, I've my never mom heard of it. used to be into it. I've and never heard of stuff. it. And uh, so it's bread made out of like a bunch of different seeds and stuff. And it's supposed to be like gluten free. Well, blah, it's blah, the blah, stuff blah. he God describes and, it in Ezekiel four nine. Yeah, like there's, uh, it's wheat, a, barley, beans, lentils, millet, emmer, yeah. and you make it into bread. And so the way this bread is advertised to us is it's bread, healthy bread from the Bible. Um, okay, you read this and it's. Bread of curse and destruction punishment. is what it is. Yeah. It's bread of punishment. It's you are not the the people in siege time are going to not have enough flour to make a real loaf of bread. So you're going to have to gather whatever you can, scrape together whatever you can, and eat this nasty, gross bread. That's what you're going to have right. to do. It's bread of judgment because it's no longer the land of milk and honey it's just funny so when you go to the bible make sure you read everything completely yeah because this is not the bread you want to eat in fact it goes on to say the whole point of it is you're going to eat by weight and uh, by weighing it out because they're so scarce and with anxiety yeah and then he says mix it with human dung well he burned it over well, a fire, a fire of human death. But then because there's that's, no wood to burn. That's where Ezekiel says, come on, Lord, I've, I'm a priest. I've been set apart. It's kind of like Peter. Like, I've never eaten anything dirty. Yeah. And God says, fine, use animal dung. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's really important to read the whole thing. And then um, I do want to just say uh, the part of chapter 6, 1 through 12, yeah. is a, so again, there's this nostalgia for the hill country of uh, Judah. Mm-hmm. in Israel because Babylon is really flat. And so right. they're like longing for the hills, but God's reminding Ezekiel that these hills are filled with idols. High and, places that and, are still up. And so he's like prophesy against them and I because I'm going to destroy all these idols and the people who have worshipped them. And you're going to lay dead and st- with them, with your idols yeah. that are dead. Yeah. So Elijah, Woo! Uh, not Elijah, Ezekiel, Ezekiel. He has a tough road ahead, <laughs> but God always sends us prophets. He meets us wherever we're at, mm-hmm. and in exile, he always gives us opportunities to repent and be comforted with the gospel. Thanks, Ezekiel. Appreciate it. Let's move to our New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 through chapter 6 verse 12 Jesus is greater than Moses he's greater than angels and now uh, Jesus is even greater than Aaron yes he's greater than the priestly Levitical system that Ezekiel is a part of yeah he's above all, he's the great high priest this is actually like a great transition I know from 
uh, Ezekiel, because Ezekiel was seeing the heavenly reality that God's throne and temple mm-hmm. is mobile. Right. And so here in Hebrews, we have, again, I want to reiterate that the idea is he's speaking to uh, Jewish Christians who are turning back, mm-hmm. who are being tempted to turn back to the old Levitical system, the old covenant, and put that above because of uh, persecution happening in Jerusalem. Right. And so what the audience understands is that the directions by God given to Moses for a tabernacle mm-hmm. and then a temple were blueprint plans from a heavenly reality. So yes. there's a much bigger temple, mm-hmm. a much bigger throne room, and these plans, that's why God gave like specifics on cubits and everything, mm-hmm. because there is a reality. And so the author of Hebrews says right off the bat, like, Jesus is the high priest, and right. he comes through the heavenly tabernacle. He walks through the throne room, uh, the most holy of holies, and he can do that, but he does it as a human. Mm-hmm. And this is what's so important and miraculous about Jesus that we cannot forget. He is, he is all God, but he took on human weaknesses. Yes. He took on flesh and blood, and that Christianity is flesh and blood and faith and spirit. Mm-hmm. Ours is the only thing that combines that. That's why we gather around an altar celebrating Christ's sacrifice, mm-hmm. Christ's death and resurrection. And so as a result, Jesus walks through and uh, they, he describes, the author describes that um, he's able to sympathize with our weakness. Yes. And as a result of this, he sympathizes with our weakness, but he's without sin. And as a result, we can go before God in his name, mm-hmm. which again is where's the most holy of holies and who could go into the holy of holies? A prescribed priest once a year. Mm-hmm. And it was like you got once in your life, if you were a high priest, you got to go in there. And now... Because of Jesus, we all boldly go before the throne of God. Like this is up. This is a new and better covenant. Yes, and no one can take this from us. No mm-hmm. Babylonians, no Romans can destroy the temple where God is mm-hmm. and mock it and exile us from His presence. Because of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, chapter five, though, what I liked is he talks about the the actual human part mm-hmm. of high priests, mm-hmm. and something that jumped out to me this time was. They're appointed. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you can't, we're not all trying to be Jesus. We right. aren't all saying, I want to be the Savior. No, mm-hmm. just like you can't say, I want to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you have to be of Aaron. Yes. You have to, because God appointed Aaron and mm-hmm. his children to be this. And remember the sons of Korah, they tried to be it and yes. the earth swallowed them up. And it was like, sorry, these are appointed positions. Mm-hmm. God By chooses. God. Yeah. And it's not based on how smart you are, mm-hmm. how cool you are. Um, what a good speaker you are, or your gender. It's like God chooses who he chooses to do this. Mm-hmm. And so he called Aaron, and those guys had to purify themselves right. because they were weak, and that they could help the weak people because they're like, I understand, and I have to shed blood mm-hmm. for my own sins. But Christ, who was chosen, um, didn't. he offered his blood once for all. Right. And that's the huge idea um, yeah, and that he does not have to make constant sacrifices yeah. for himself because he himself is sinless. Um, Christ, then, the idea that I connected to, sorry, we had someone knock at the door. This is a live, a, a live show. But uh, 
the thing I liked is that Christ suffered because of his humanity. He suffers, and the author talks about how he prays to God, like in Gethsemane. He's saying, "God, help me," um, just like you. He suffered humiliation. He suffered death, and he learned obedience. And so as a result of learning obedience and trusting God all the way, he becomes the source of eternal life. And the temptation is to think that we have to uh, be perfect in our obedience or that we even can uh, or that he doesn't understand our suffering. And again, the original audience is suffering. They are starting, the persecution of Christianity is on the rise. And so the author is going, hey, we can't let go of this. Don't be dull of hearing. And in fact, uh, the author rebukes the readers and draws them back from kind of a spiritual collapse in this section. He's like, so that's why don't harden your hearts. Don't forget this. Listen, and this is the section now about milk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, I've taken this out of context in the past. Like, oh, I'm only getting milk from this pastor. Uh-huh. Well, it, it's, not, it's not like that. No. Uh, okay, so reading this and keeping in mind who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, you've received something better right. than what the old covenant, than what Moses, than what angels, than what the priests have given you in the past. You received something better than that. But it seems like you guys want to go back to that old stuff. Right. And that's a problem. And so he says, you know, milk's for children or for sick people. Right. And the milk here is, because he has this great line about like, uh, solid food is for mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice mm-hmm. to distinguish good from evil. And I would say Fed by Ravens is one source of constant practice, being rooted in the word, like moving beyond the milk. Because here's what the milk is. Yeah, he, he says it. I mean, the milk is, he leads it, the elementary thing. So uh, we use the idea of 10,000 hours mm-hmm. in the word. And so uh, the basics are, you're full of uh, doubt, fear, and pride. And so you need, you know, basic repentance. Mm-hmm. Basic, go back to, you're not saved by good works. Stop trying to do that. Yeah. Basic, remember your baptism? They weren't ritual washings mm-hmm. that the, we did in the Jewish system. It's one beautiful washing by Christ where the Spirit right. enters you. And the laying on of hands, which is, again, I think accompanies baptism, or even in leadership. Yeah. like Praying, setting apart people. And then he says... Um, what was the last thing? Laying of hands and... Oh, uh, and the, resurrection of the dead. Yeah, like there's fights about what's the, what's the deal with the resurrection mm-hmm. and eternal judgment. End times fighting. Yeah. He's like, those are all basics. We're going to heaven. We're getting resurrected from the dead like our Savior. You've been baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness mm-hmm. of sins. You must enter through repentance. Basic milk. Now, it is not bad. I mean, we talk yeah. about those all the time. Right. Because truth be told, most of our culture is starving. Mm-hmm. And you're... You're just starving. So it's no, no shame in giving you milk if you mm-hmm. don't know it. But, mm-hmm. but keep moving on and, and keep growing into the good things because there is a part of you that can be drawn away from Christ. Yeah. It's your sinful nature. And he says here, like, look, can you be... Um, it's impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm. And so he's saying, if you walk away from your baptism, right. and you walk away from 
the spirit that's been upon you and partaking of the Lord's Supper and partaking of your... Like, and the, I think, acknowledgement that Christ died for your sins. Right. And you say, crucify him. Yeah, I don't want it anymore. If it you, doesn't matter. Okay, so again, too, like, he is talking to Jews. Yes. And so he's like, so if you want to act like your leaders who crucified the, our yes. Lord and Savior, um, don't feel good about your salvation. Right. In fact, because uh, we, we have to crucify Christ again. Mm-hmm. So the warning is those tempted to leave and say, yeah, Christ's crucifixion meant nothing. Right. And we, go back to the sacrificial system yes. being offered at the temple. Yes. Uh, to the specific context. And so specifically offering up another sacrifice uh-huh. apart from Christ. Then Christ's crucifixion for you and his blood do not work. And yeah. there is no salvation. Right. Again have to know the context if you go into this and this causes you to doubt your salvation it's because you we don't understand the context mm-hmm. it shouldn't um the only way you should doubt your salvation is if you are rejecting christ's mercy and forgiveness with contempt yelling crucify him in your heart and mind and or looking for another way to get into heaven right or are, an additional way and that right. would be the question to the um the upset soul mm-hmm. right now it's like, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if this... Do you want to be saved? Yes. Do you look to Christ for your salvation? Yeah. Then rest assured, this is not mm-hmm. for you. This is not about you. And in fact, he even says, um, though we speak in this way, yet it's not in your case, beloved. We feel sure of better things that belong to salvation. So then he goes, God sees your love. He sees your love for the brethren mm-hmm. in the church. He sees that you love him and trust him. So... If you're listening to this, mm-hmm. you don't don't worry, don't fret. Christ has died for you. Right. Um, but if you're rejecting and you're making fun of it and you don't believe it anymore, then I would say, uh, turn to Christ, lest you have to uh, pay for your own. Yes, and stuff. I think too here actually what we're seeing is he's actually saying like for those because I've seen this happen and I've seen people do this where they seem super committed and they are super committed to Christ and something happens and mm-hmm. now they're like, I don't need him. I'm better off on my own. Right. Or the church and God and everything's only ever hurt me. Yeah. And so I'm better off on my own. And why the warning here too is for us, for our, those who still believe, like it's not your job right. to go and save them. In fact, that's impossible. Right. The, the, that's good the God that takes a work of God like God has to do that God has to restore their hearts and God has done that and he, he has sent his that. son to die and if they don't want that then they don't mm-hmm. want it then they don't want he's it he's not forcing mm-hmm. any God's not forcing you to go to his uh, eternal party right uh, but now I know we try to figure out I thought you're always saved once you're saved and again if you're starting to worry about that all you gotta do is wake up every morning and go God I love you mm-hmm. and he's like great I love you too mm-hmm. no worries yeah, and I think at this point, if you've engaged the story so far, I think we've seen countless examples of the people of God turning away. Yeah. And like that is always an option for humanity. We can turn away from God. Right. And the, But even with that sickness in our DNA, mm-hmm. we see over and over again this line about God is gracious and steadfast in his love and mm-hmm. slow to anger, and he sends his word, and his word is powerful. And so... God is looking out for us, and, uh, and so we can rest assured that we are safe 
under the cross of Christ. Okay. Wow, a lot of stuff. Good stuff. Let's move to our psalm for the day. Our psalm for the day is Psalm 119, verses 153 through 160. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.